Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, when you started going out with me, you knew what you were in for. I'm a wild card. Start singing like this. It's so very hard to stop. <laughs> if you like, I'll tweet this to the people following me. And then the people following me will clearly very see that they could listen live on the internet. La da da. <laughs> <laughs> that's not part of the show that's not part of the no, show we'll you, know, you gotta be that. careful you gotta be careful with those things i've told you about some of these for a long time in my band you know we're all really into kiss and when we started uh, doing that paul stanley thing wow that kind of like that i wow all right do you like cold gin and like <laughs> wow like never start doing that it's like doing the Eddie Vedder thing. Like once you start doing it ironically, you can never stop. No, it's the same with Morris. Same with the Morrissey. Yeah. <laughs> Barriers, productivity are what we talk about. How much of that is the expectation that others have of you? Did you just create a topic? Versus what you feel you would like to be doing. Excuse me, I think a segue just landed on me. I don't know what happened to us just now. See, the two of them, Waz, Waz and his backup segue fell on me. Um, the expectation that people think you will yell like Paul Stanley at a live concert in 19, say, 76. Yeah. Oh, when my gosh. I think it's three or four just, of our listeners may have been born by it. There's a big kiss backlash, and I'm, I'm, I'm not loving it. I know you're part of it. You're part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the show? This is the show. Oh. Big week? It's been a big week. Huge week. Yeah. I've had a big week, too. I'll never get used to holidays being on Mondays. It completely throws me off. Yeah, I've never like felt it. more sense of Sundayness in my life. No nah, sense of sun. I've never had more <laughs> sense of Sundayness than yesterday. Yeah, it's crazy. It was already time to put out the trash cans, and, and it was and it was you know it was actually Monday. Do you have a sense of days? Oh, very much. Yes. Hmm. It, I used to not when I was doing like software development and things like that. The only difference for me was whether. Most of my coworkers were on IM or not. That was how I knew it was a weekend or how I knew it was late in the day because I would be there working and people that I knew would have signed off to go do the things they do and I would have been there still working. And if I woke up in the morning and it was nine or 10 o'clock and nobody else was on IM, then I knew it must be the weekend. Mm-hmm. Now, though, because we have, I do different shows on different days, there's more of a, a feeling of, and because I'm with my, Family, uh, pretty much uh, all weekend long, I'm very aware that it's a weekday or not. Yeah, the show thing does it with me. And also, like, when our daughter, like, I know what days of the week she does different things. So that, that like horse, horse riding, ballet. Yeah, yeah, she does. Gymnastics. Uh, she does. Actually, well, she was doing horse riding for a while and she excelled at it so much, she became a midwife. <laughs> um, she, she started training as a pre wife <laughs> and became a midwife. And now she does midwifery for horses. Right. Course. It's called equestrian birthing. So the whole thing they got here, it's up at the Y. Yeah. Yeah, you got to really hose her off when she's done. Oh. You, ever seen a ho- you ever seen a horse being born? Uh, only on TV. Yeah, skip lunch. That's all I'm saying. Oh. It's bad. It's like, it's, it's like a sinus infection with an animal. It's really, really bad. But no, I have a, I have a sense, I certainly have a sense of uh, when I have a job or a job-like thing, I have a very big sense of Sunday nightness and Monday morningness. I think Friday feels like a day. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of iffy on Wednesdays. I don't have a strong feeling of Wednesdays. 
Tuesdays. I used to have a strong Tuesday because that's when we would record the program. Today is Tuesday and we're recording the program. But it used to be that was uh, had a strong Tuesday. But I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. Well, you know, and I think the thing is also, this is, this is a huge thing of having a job. And it's like when you become an adult and you start having a job and you can't go to bars and drink like you used to, I think you have a very heavy sense of what day of the week it is this. You know, and that's why people go out and binge drink because they go, I got it. Right? It's like the Bill Cosby thing, right? Like I have to go fit a month's worth of fun into this one Friday night. Oh, totally. You know what it's like? A friend of mine had a dog named Max and they had adopted Max. It was a girl, Maxine, I guess. And they had their regular dog, April. And they would put <laughs> they the, had a primary and a secondary. Yeah. Dog. Well, they had their first dog and then they got the other dog later, Max. And Max had been astray. And had been rescued and apparently had been abused at different times, was very, you know, had had some issues, but turned out to be a wonderful, uh, wonderful dog for them. And uh, the first dog, of course, had been, you know, with them its whole life and taken care of great and, and everything else. So when they would put the food down, they would feed them both at the same time. They would put the food down for April and food down for Max. And April would take her time eating. She would eat casually, sometimes maybe even leave a little bit of food. Max would eat the in, I mean, the food wouldn't even be in the bowl and Max would be eating it as it was falling, just slam. And in, in 30 seconds, that food was gone. And then Max would wait. And when April would get up to go, Max would then eat April's food. And the, the stray dog mentality that this may be the only time I eat and the last time I eat. I, I, I connect that with what you're saying. It sounds like Max might have done some time. <laughs> I think, yeah, who, who knows? This was to, a, a scary there's dog. A dishwasher. There's a dishwasher at a place I worked at that, it, that I think he'd had some problems and spent some time in jail. Uh, always wore the same t-shirt that he had made at a place at the mall that said uh, liquor in the front, poker in the rear. <laughs> and what was clever about it was that liquor was spelled L-I-Q-U-O-R. Oh. So it was a rather, rather piquant little jest. Right. Yeah. That he, did, he didn't wash his jest a mm. lot. But uh, he ate, he did that thing. Like where you, you can't see what I'm doing, but he had an overhand grip for his fork. Oh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a shovel, kind of uh-huh. like a miniature shovel. And he put his face right over the food. And, and you wouldn't want to get near him when he was eating. We really wouldn't want to get near him. That shirt, that shirt should be a warning. You know, I don't know. Is that an offer or a threat? I mean, you know, drinking and gambling with a lady. I don't know. That's not nice. I assume it's a lady. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. Special really lady or just a lady friend? Special lady friend. Yeah. 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 You're the one who really got me turned on to that to whole uh, distinction. Mm hmm. So what have you been doing? You doing anything fun? Mm, no. Okay. Good. Good. Well, let's move on. Uh, expectations. Were you going to slip in some expectations? Is that what you're doing? I just think it's interesting to to think about that. You know, people have certain expectations. And some days do you ever wake up very reminiscent of you know, the David Byrne talking head song, you know, where you sort of are taking stock of what's going on in your life and you're like, uh, you know, 10, maybe 15 minutes ago, like I had a paper route and I lived it, you know, <laughs> like, how does this, how do you get from through all of these things? Like I, I was there, I was making those decisions that put me where I am right now. And now that I'm here, I, there are all these expectations and people have, you know, people have this concept of you and the things that you do. And in many right. cases, it's your own fault or you're responsible, depending on your opinion of what it is that you're doing, that people will say, well, yeah, I mean, this is this is what Merlin does. This is the guy that he is. He's he's the you know, he holds his wallet up to his ear and he does this funny thing that, you know, and it 
Like, that's him. That's that guy. But you're like, no, that's not me. That was barely me when I did it, right? I'm not that guy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you are, because look, I have the video, and you're so, dude, you're so funny. You're Marilyn. You're funny. You're funny. You're a funny guy. You know, and uh, so how do you how do you deal with that, especially when it's part of your job and those expectations are required of you? And, you know, I don't know. It's I, I, as much as about. we have talked about expectations, I think the way you're framing this, it would be pretty great to talk about. I, um, I have a lot of opinions on that. Although I, just one thing I want to get out of the way is I can t- always tell what kind of week you're having by whether you have a topic mm-hmm. and then you do have a topic, what that topic is. So mm-hmm. I just want to say I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. It's apology <laughs> accepted. I'm so t- I'm so tired right now. I a lot thought of people, a lot of, a lot of people write and they say, "Well, like, what if what if <laughs> your wife keeps bugging you to take out the trash?" And yeah. they're like, "Can I just have five seconds to myself?" Is that a, you know, right? Why yeah. did you leave your shoes there? Because that's where I took them off. Fifteen minutes ago, I was David Byrne. Fifteen <laughs> minutes ago, right now, I, I think you I think you're onto something uh, kind of big, and this is a recurring theme for you uh, that you've talked about is expectations. And I think maybe one that would be really interesting to focus on is the um, which we may have focused on before. Frankly, I don't remember, but uh, the expectations that we assume uh, other people have of us. And, yes. you know, it's, that gets us into a million interesting things from, from my vantage point. I mean, there's, there's the expectation of uh, being in some kind of environment where expectations are clear. And for some reason, I, I'm, I always think of being in the, the military, being in the service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of the things that I think one of the things that ends up helping a lot of young people that helped a lot of young people in, you know, in the 30s and 40s was, you know, everybody's on the same page. Everybody understood that the army was really screwed up, but it was the army and you knew the army way of doing things. And you have a very clear sense of status. There's actually like a little piece of fabric sewn onto your sleeve that shows how important you are. Yeah, It's really that simple. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get, you know, like t- today everybody gets to comment on everything. Like you don't, you don't have to have done anything of consequence to get the equal amount of attention as anybody else in the world. But if you're, if you're a private, you know, and you walk up to, to your sergeant and say, suck a bag of, you know, um, uh, I guess potatoes that need to be peeled. If you say something like that, like that's you're going to be in, in big trouble because that's the system that you're in. You understand the expectation. And the expectation is you do whatever we tell you to do. If somebody's got more fabric on their arm than you, you bet, sure as hell better do what they say. Um, I don't think you have to spend a lot of time in the army wondering if people like you. I, I'm sure I, I must come up, especially as you move up the ranks, so to speak. But I, I think for for really anybody. Uh, to, to, I guess today and maybe always, you're always wondering what people think of you or you're always, you know what I mean? Yeah. You wonder, you wonder, I mean, on a superficial level or maybe just a simple level, you wonder, you know, do people like me? Do they not like me? Do people respect me? Do they not respect, pe- respect me? You know what I mean? And at work, you might think, do people think I'm valuable? Um, do they think I'm valuable enough to survive the next round of layoffs and stuff like that? But I mean... Just to go a little bit, that's fine for Merlin. I mean, I, I I wonder a lot about what people expect of me, and I wonder how much I should, how much I should worry about that, and then how much I should adjust based on that. And I've found mostly found my own peace with that. But I think everybody faces that with everything. Yeah. And if you want to go straight back to the whole family and even relationship situation, um, I I, I think I think there's a lot of personal tumult that can come up in a relationship by not discussing specific expectations of each other. Mm. 
right? And I, I've mentioned this before, but uh, my uh, my pal uh, used to be in a band with um, back in Florida. He was getting uh, he, he was going to get married, still married. But when he was getting married, he was marrying um, a woman whose family was very devoutly Catholic, and they had to do something. Uh, I'll get this for notes, but I think it's called pre-cana. And it's, it's sort of like, uh, what, like CCD for grownups. It's like you go and you have to go and take a series of course or consultation Catholic couples must undergo before they can be married in the Catholic church. It's derived from John two, one through 12, the wedding feast in Cana at Galilee, where Jesus performed the miracle of turning water into wine. Hmm. Hmm. Six weeks. Yeah. It's a lot of Saturdays. (sighs) I don't know if I'd get married if I had to do something for six weeks like that. But when he described it to me, I, it was really chilling to me as, as somebody who doesn't like communicating with people. Uh, and, and so, what, I mean, if I understand this correctly, it's it's about m- making sure that you really are prepared to get married and you really know what you're in for. And he was really candid about it. He's like, it's, it, it really sucked and was really painful. But then it was really mind-blowing how little we knew about what the other person expected. And again, just just anecdotally, uh, what he told me was stuff like, you know, they, they, they'll separate you, um, you go in different rooms and you make a list of the things like, you know, are, are you going to have a baby? How soon are you going to have a baby? You know, I, I might have even been as specific as like, how much should you spend on eating out every month? Stuff like that. I mean, wh- whatever. The, the, the point is that th- there are these contentious issues that will eventually come up or not come up even worse. And... Uh, I really admired him for being able to make it through that because he said by the time we were done, we realized how many things, not so much we didn't have in common, but so many things that we had never even thought to talk about. And um, I, boy, I am just so bad at that. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm the guy who would rather have the, uh, have the ambulance waiting at the bottom of the building than put up a decent fence. You know, I, <laughs> oh, man. I'm not great at it, but I think that's where a lot of, I got to tell you, I think we could take this in a million directions, but starting at home, um, I think a lack of clarity about who's responsible for what um, can cause, um, definitely cause balls to be dropped, but can also over time accrete because you lose your credibility as a partner in the relationship and you run the risk of disrespecting what you never realized was super important to the other person. And if you like, or I'm happy to adjust that to talk about work, but I think it's a, ba- I think it's a basic human problem. And to go a little bit John Roddick for a minute, you know, the, the, the culture of niceness and avoiding, uh, not only just confrontation, but the, the culture of avoiding having an honest discussion with somebody about something that you don't a hundred percent agree on mm-hmm. makes that a lot worse. And so then what do you do? You become one of those little henhouse people who like stabs people behind their back and talks about them or you harbor, uh, some kind of, you harbor something that may start as a really simple feeling of being misunderstood or being overlooked. And I just think that builds up and up and up and you unconsciously start looking for instances of that, that make the case that you're being overlooked or, or what have you, Mm -hmm. you know, and really that, that really can be just as simple as who takes out the trash or whether it's okay to leave socks on the floor, which sounds so stupid if you're not married. And then if you're married, it sounds so stupid, but, but it really, really is important if you don't know, you know, and and so then just the final thing before I pass it back, um, there's also this thing, and I've, I've talked about this with my kid. You can talk about this with management, anything like that. It'd be really nice to know that you don't have to work this out every day, every hour, every instance 
where it might be tested. You know what I mean? Like if for some reason, let's say both your phones ran out, would you know what to do to go pick up the kid? Would you know who's responsible for getting the half and half? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Would, you, would you be able to, in the absence of communicating directly with each other, would you be able to do some kind of prisoner's dilemma thing where you knew how, how to make a turnout best for everybody? Prisoner's dilemma. Prisoner's dilemma. Very interesting, prisoner's dilemma. We should discuss that. I would love to discuss that. Am I getting anywhere near uh, yes. the, the reason as, you did As up? usual, you're doing great. Yeah, I can talk all day, Dan. I know. You just got to shut things off. Game theory. Game theory. Well, I know a little bit about prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. As I understand prisoner's dilemma. Uh, Two men are arrested, but the police did not possess enough information for conviction. <laughs> I'm shutting off your Wikipedia connection. Following the separation of the two men, the police Let's offer both. It's, a, oh my God. You should, you should just have a new show. You should have a new show where, where you just read Wikipedia to the host. Melvin Drescher. Melvin Drescher. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the show, the nanny. Is that who you're thinking of? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's Fran's dad or great yeah. granddad or whatever. Right. They call it gen- gender reassignment. And, and, <laughs> and so, and so what you do is I, uh, so, so two, two people. And for, I think, I think in the, the way that the story goes is the cops have arrested two people for committing a crime, the, the same crime at the same time. Let's say you robbed a bank. Right. So you, were they, you, could, and, they were, t- they were partners in crime. You're saying. Yes. Okay. And, and where, and where, you know, to, to your own, you know, level of certainty that they definitely both did it and you want to get a confession out of them. So I think the basic idea is you, you take the two people you've arrested, you put them in separate rooms. You go to the first guy, you go to, you go to criminal number one or suspect number one, because this is America. You go to suspect number one and you say, look, we know you guys both did this. So here's the deal. If you both cop to it, you're going to get five years in jail. Um, uh, if both of you, uh, wait, wait, let me get it. Well, geez, now I'm going to screw it up. I should let you read the Wikipedia. Article. No, I like your, I like your take on it better. But, Pick like that. If, you don't need if you all both one. say you, if you both say you did it, um, you get something like 10 years. If you both say you didn't do it, you both get five years. If one of you says you didn't do it and the other guy says he did, that guy's going to get 20 years and you go free. And so something like that. But the basic notion is that in the absence of being able to communicate with each other and to, you know, you have to not only figure out what you would say, you, you know, what you think or what you want to say, what your strategy is, you start thinking about what the other person's strategy is. And then you start thinking about what the other person's strategy is based on what they think your strategy is. And if you really let it roll around in your brain for a minute, it's, um, it's, it is quite a dilemma. There's this British show called Splitter Steel. And the notion is you sit there and it's really weird. Two people sit across from each other with four balls in front of them. Yes, four balls. And, and under each of your two balls, you have one that says split, one that says steel. There's a yeah. certain amount of money on the table. And, and, and it, it is at this point, up till then, up, it is like Prisoner's Dilemma with all of those same rules where if one of you says, says split and the other says steal, the steel person wins. Hmm. If you both say split, you split the money and so on and so forth. And there's a few episodes of it up on YouTube that are really interesting. The most interesting of which I don't want to spoil the whole video for you because it is really worth watching. But unlike Prisoner's Dilemma, those two people then get to talk about it. And they have to, it's sort of like playing diplomacy where uh, you've, got to, you've got to sort of convince the other person that they can trust what you say you're going to do. In diplomacy, you're going to write your orders about how you're going to invade other countries in pre-World War I uh, Europe. And in this case, you try and convince the other person like, hey, look, let's both do this thing. 
And, and it's really, it's kind of interesting to watch. Well, I'll spoil it for you. This one episode I saw, so they say, okay, now you have so many minutes to talk to each other. And before the words are out of the host's mouth, one guy goes, look, he looks straight in the other guy's eyes and he goes, look, I am going to steal. So you should definitely, you should say, <laughs> here's what I want you to do. I'm going to say steal and I want you to say split. And the guy goes, what, what, why, why, why would I trust you? He goes, no, no, listen, stop talking. There's nothing that you can say that will change my mind. I am going to steal. So either we get this and I split it with you after the show or both of us get nothing. Mm. It was, and it's so great to watch because the guy is such a, he seems like such a total tool because no matter what the other guy says to try and reason with him, he's going, I'm going to steal. No. Oh, okay. Really? That's super interesting. I'm going to steal. So your only chance of staying alive here is, is to, is to, uh, is to say anyway. So, yeah, I don't want to spoil the ending for you, but but, but, but we're not going to watch. We're not going to watch it. Yeah. He uh, he convinces the other guy. He thinks he says that he you know yeah I want you to um, no matter what I'm going to say steal. And instead of the other the, the other guy the second guy he did say split. And the awesome part is the guy who promised that he was going to steal also put split because he figured that that guy. Wasn't you follow? Co- Total oh. psych out, and then they split the money. And he didn't, he turned out to not be such a jerk. It was the only way he could convince him. But wow. boy, that was a really long story. But uh, I think that's, an, I think what's interesting about Prisoner's Dilemma is that we have to, there's so much that we have to do to process what we think somebody else thinks. And maybe more importantly, sometimes, especially when we're not communicating, is we have to think about what somebody thinks about what we think. And I'm not doing a Groucho Marx bit. I think that's really true. Do, do you not agree? Yes. And, and, and for me, that could be something like, oh my gosh, I bet this person hates me for some reason. I bet I've done something and I don't know why and I'm not sure what to do about it. You know, but, I, but you know, again, I don't know if it's which one, not Occam's razor. What's the one where, you know, or Hanlon's razor? It's like, um, it's one of the razors. And then maybe that's <laughs> razor. But it's the one where, where you, you know, it's probably not malice. <laughs> that causes a lot of things. It's probably just a thing that happened. Yeah, but you can have relationships that go go totally go way south for years because you keep assuming what the other person expects of you, and that that goes for families. That goes for managers. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I will beat this drum every goddamn week. Is how many managers are not that clear about expectations, even though they feel in their black heart that they are extremely clear about expectations. And it could be because the employees see that what they say does not comport with what they do over and over and over again. It could be that they see somebody being rewarded for something that is completely a field from what they said the expectation is. They could say, they could see that sometimes the expectation is enforced and other times it's not. They could see that sometimes somebody who did the expectations flawlessly still doesn't get recognized. And I mean, you know, if, if you're putting a rat in a cage and making them bang on that bar to get the little pellet, I mean, that's the way to make a really screwed up rat is to change the rules. Sometimes change the cage. Maybe, maybe, maybe the pellet's a shotgun sometimes. I mean, that, that's what it feels like sometimes. And, and if you're trying to guess, you know, what the shotgun thinks of you, you should jump in here. Oh, I like this part. I want to, I want to keep going. No. 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 But um, a really screwed up rat. Really screwed up rat. I just, um, I, I don't know what the solution is, but I know that's a giant problem. I mean, the obvious solution is to go to somebody and be really honest. But, you know, see also John Roderick. It's, it, it, is, it, is a, it, is a, it is a it is a very difficult and complicated problem to try and talk to anybody about something that could be regarded as something that you don't already agree on. I think a lot of people think you're kind of a jerk if you do that. 
And the problem is, in, like in in your and my extremely unusual edge case, you know, you're wondering what percentage of of n thousand people think what you're doing is good right this second, which which I think will make you into an insane person who's not doing anything particularly great. But it doesn't mean I don't think about it. It just means that I don't have that much that I feel like I can change about what I do on stuff like this show that wouldn't poison the well uh, in, in order to please uh, you know, a relative handful of people. Yeah, it's, That's a real different game if you're talking about the person you theoretically want to spend your life with. It's worthwhile going like, am I handling this sock and trash issue to your satisfaction? <laughs> now, t- tell me more about your expectation. You're talking about work stuff. Yeah, I think it makes sense in, in the work scope, but it also personal life. But I think, you know, when you, a lot of the time I think people are surprised or maybe surprised is the wrong word and maybe even amused is a better word in some cases. But it's always amazing to me how different your own perception is of you than the perception that other people generally tend to have of you. And that's because you know your own mind, you know your own intentions, and other people generally can never, never really know those things. Yeah, you think you know yours anyway. Well, you think, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a whole, uh, whole different show. But you think that you know your intentions, you think you know your mind, you think you, that, or at least your perception of them is different from the perception that other people have. I mean, it could be that you know, you haven't had coffee yet and you just sounded like a jerk and you didn't even mean to, you didn't mm-hmm. even know you did. And now that other person is thinking that, oh, that guy's a jerk because that was the one interaction that they ever had with you. Or that's the one interaction that they had with you that where they actually needed to ask you for something. And, you know, and you came across like a jerk and you didn't even know it. And later after you had your coffee, you're feeling great. And you go and see the other person. The other person says, something to you and they come away and think, wow, he's, that is the nicest guy ever. But, but you know, the, the, the first one may be the only one they ever remember. That's right. the first, the first and lasting impression. <laughs> Can you imagine what it's like to be a celebrity and like have a booger? Like, you know, let's say you've spent like five nines of your life not having a visible booger. And then one time <laughs> you've got a booger. And, or, you <laughs> right. know, it, it could be a stain on your shirt. It, it could be your wang fell out, but like whatever it is, something very unusual has happened and you're famous and then suddenly, the person who saw you is pretty convinced that all of the time that you're not being cared for by a director on set, you probably have a booger or a wang hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Right? And <clears throat> I think that happens. <laughs> Certainly, wangs, wangs definitely happen at work. I mean, I think, I think that, you know, we can take that as red. But you're, but you're on, gosh, you're on, you're on to several interesting things. You're certainly on to uh, an old uh, favorite of ours, which is along the lines of, depending on, you know, which angle you want to take it from cognitive behavioral therapy how, mm. how i have an emotion i know something happened in the world and i know now that i have an emotion a negative emotion as a result of that right so in your case um you know this person was really mean to me and now i'm angry and sad yeah i'm, I'm angry because i think that was unfair to me and i'm sad because i want everybody to like me well yeah, one, something happened. Three, I feel a way, but there's a very important number two, <laughs> Josh. <laughs> and the very important number two is what in the heck in my brain decided that that connection needed to be there and how much is it helping me, right? And so when you're, when you're doing something, as I understand, I've never done CBT, but I'd like to. But if, if you ever do cognitive behavioral therapy or you know the Adler version of that, I think one of the things that you're taught to do is keep a journal 
of when you found yourself feeling uh, fearful, anxious, angry, depressed, like all, all of those seven dwarves of, of bad emotions that we have. I don't know if there's seven. <laughs> I didn't take differential calculus. Cleric. But, um, but, but, but I, boy, that sure helped. That has helped me a lot, even informally. Even informally, like when I sit and, and, and say like, you know, the thing is this bank teller is probably not out to get me. And if they are out to get me, it either shouldn't matter or it's nothing I can do anything about. But chances are they just didn't have their coffee, as you say, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But then this also gets us onto something that I think is uh, just as interesting, which is the role of maybe mentorship or mentorship is one way to think of it, or even just an outside voice that you trust. But I've always thought that w- one great role of a mentor, you know, an older, an older and more experienced person who takes an interest in, in helping you not make dumb mistakes and, and progress in a way that is useful to you. I mean, the dumb mistakes that you don't have to make. Um, in this instance, I think a, a good mentor, a sane mentor can tell you um, what you should be obsessed about and, and then sometimes whether you should be obsessed about it at all. Because I think when you're young, especially, you obsess about the wrong stuff. Like when you're, when you're a pubescent freak, like you, you obsess about how you're the worst person in the world and no one will ever love you. Oh, right. And, and you will, because this is the way your stupid brain is wired with the Pokemon and whatnot, you, uh, you, get, <laughs> you will look for constant evidence of that. You will look for constant instances that underscore this impression that you have, right? You, you end up being more attached to the case for what a jerk you are than, than you are in seeing what's actually happening, which is that every single person in your school feels exactly the same way. Like the bullies are being jerks because they're scared. The wimps are getting beat up because they're scared. It's like everybody's a, a total, it's a total mess. And like, it's weird because you do start rehearsing this certain kind of negative feeling about yourself. And, and you can't help those folks. I mean, those are teenagers. They should, they should, they should probably just be, be sent to some you know, different uh, galaxy or something. But, but like, for example, at work, somebody might say, well, you know, you seem like you're, you're really obsessing over making this particular thing perfect. Well, we don't, it would be nice if that, were thing, that thing were perfect, but to be honest with you, nobody's ever made that thing perfect. And it's way more important that we just get it by 8 a.m. every day. So you're obsessed with making that perfect and, and we're interested in having you do it on time. Okay. Wow, that's a really huge thing. Because now I know that I've, I've potentially been obsessing about the wrong thing. You could certainly make a decision about whether that's a, that's a job you want, but you probably do want that job. And so you have to learn to re- readjust your obsess- obsession based on you know what's going to happen. If you're down in the trenches with your army buddies... You know, you, you might really want to be uh, working on your creme brulee crust, but it's way more important that you, that you dive over the, uh, over the uh, trench, you know? So that's probably one of the worst analogies I've ever that made. That was a weird one. Yeah. France is where they fought a lot of that, so they probably had creme brulee. Mm-hmm. But, but, but you think about that mentorship thing or that getting that outside advice, that's, that's purely a case of somebody being able to show you your booger and go, you know, you're probably not aware that you're a good person and you probably have excellent nasal hygiene otherwise, but you got a, you got a giant goddamn booger that like, I want to help you with, you know, focus on getting the booger moved away, you know, <laughs> rather than making this perfect report. I don't know. That's what I think. And then in a relationship, like you have no choice but to talk to people. That's, that's all you've got, you know, and, unless, unless you are, you know, you know, Professor X or Jean Grey, and you can actually tell what that person thinks and then screw with them. 
or or make them explode with your with your uh, Phoenix Force. That Phoenix Force thing is blowing my mind. Oh yeah, you're just getting into that. I'm just. I mean, you. I, I jumped ahead a little bit, and it's completely, <sighs> completely blowing my mind. Yeah, that, that wasn't her for a while, right? Do you want to say this? Is this a no, no, no? You want to do a sponsor? Yeah, which one we can do? I don't know. You tell me. Want to do the, hey, gla- the glasses one first? Let's do the glasses. You want to do the glasses? Do yeah. the glasses. All right. This is a new one for our show. This is a new one. Uh, it's a new one for us in general, but it's not new for me because I've been wearing these glasses uh, every single day, all day for probably two years. So let me tell you about them. They're glasses that I bought from Warby Parker, W-A-R-B-Y Parker.com. And they're great. They have all these cool, like, I like the retro style. They're not all retro, but that's what I like. And that's what they make. These are really, really great frames. The reason that I switched to this kind of frame is because, yeah, on the one hand, they're cool. But on the other hand, you know, I have two kids and you're playing with your kids. They grab your glasses. The last thing you want them to do is like snap them in half or bend them. And I kept, mm-hmm. uh, I kept having that happen. And the other thing is, you know, you, you live in your glasses. You wear them all the time. You don't want to spend a fortune on them. Well, I've got this really screwy prescription. I've got an astigmatism. I've got nearsighted. It has to be at a certain axis and rotation, all this other stuff. And I thought, you know, I went into the local store and they, they were quoting me. It was like 500 bucks for these glasses because I need to get, do you hear that? Hmm. Can you hear that? Tele, is that teletype? That is a high index lens. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I knew it was an index. I didn't know how high it was. It's pretty high. Huh. So I said to these, I said, went to these guys, 95 bucks, including your prescription. I mean, that's how much these frames are, 95 bucks. I said, well, all right, I'll try it. Well, they have this thing called a home try-on. Mm-hmm. They send you five pairs of frames in a nice little case. You pick, you pick the frames. They don't just randomly pick them. You go on their site, you pick the five you want to try. They send them to you, keep them for five days, and you put them back in their special box that has their label, and you drop it off, and it goes back to them. And then from that, you've had them for five days. You pick the one you like so that when you actually order the frames, you already know how they're going to look. You already know how they're going to fit. You already know all that stuff. For 95 bucks, home try on. It's all free. And uh, I, love, I love these guys. I love their glasses. I've got several different pairs. I have one pair that is my favorite. It's called the Sibleys. People hmm. are always asking. That's the pair I like. Uh, and, uh, you know, oh, they have, they have these sunglasses now. For more, you're going to pay more for sunglasses. But it's 150 bucks for the sunglasses. Is it? It's a flat price, though. It's a flat price. Now, if you do, if you need to get like the high index or other tweaks, you can do that. It does cost a little more. Might, I mean, it's not much. But for most people, for 99 percent of the people that I know that wear glasses, you don't need the high index. You just pay 95 bucks, and it shows up at your house. And they're they've given us a special code. Hmm. Five by five TV ten. The number ten. So yes, this is a little complicated. It will be in the show notes. Uh, but it's 5 by 5 TV 10. You get this through the end of June, and you get 10% off of your uh, first order. I have, a, I, have a, uh, I have a Warby Parker story. I would like that, to hear. That, that, that I hope they like. Okay. Um, I, I finally went back, now that I literally can't see anything, I finally went to, to, my, to my very spirited uh, optometrist. And by the way, you don't want to get that wrong. Optometrists, opticians, and ophthalmologists, yeah, they're like, they're like gangs. It's like the Crips and Bloods of your eyes. Like you, you do not want to get these guys <laughs> right. wrong. Don't accidentally. Optician. Yeah, that's Hulk smash. well. There's yeah, optician. Get... There's ophthalmologist, and there's optometrist. I think. I think calling. I think calling an optometrist an optician is like calling a medical doctor a pharmacist. Right. You know, 
I don't know. I don't know. Well, um, I finally got a prescription. But before I got my prescription, my lady was like, look, you've really, you need, you need to get glasses. I'm going to go to the Warby Parker site and I'm going to pick out however many it was, three or four pairs of lenses for you to try on because Adam made this video and it's really good. And we linked to that as well. Adam, oh, the Adam, Adam, yeah, the Adam video. Yeah, same yeah. video for them too, yeah. And uh, I was like, eh, eh, whatever. The first pair of eyeglasses I bought was from eyeglasses.com a long time ago. I don't even know that it still exists, but you could upload a photo of yourself and it would put this... <laughs> <laughs> kind of poorly magic wanded image <laughs> of the glasses on your little two-dimensional face. Right, right. That's how I got my first pair of $60 glasses. So I was like, man, I don't know about this. She's like, no, seriously, honey. And then suddenly like, we're like a late night commercial. Let me just do this. So she goes and she orders the frames and they arrive in a beautiful box. I took them out and I tried them all on and I didn't like any of them. And I sent them back and it was really, really easy. It was awesome. I mean, like, I, I, you probably want this story to turn out with I bought 900 pairs. Right, right, sure. But now that I've got my prescription, I'm totally going to do it again because it was really easy for me to not like what they sent me. You know what I mean? I yeah. just think there's something super cool about that. And yeah, you could probably abuse that. I, I, I imagine they have a limit. You probably can't get like 60 pairs a week. But, <laughs> but isn't not. that a funny thing? Isn't that a funny thing that like, you know... Uh, even though I didn't buy it, it was the fact that I didn't buy it and it was so easy to deal with makes me so much more inclined. Yeah, to they're try not to gonna, get... they don't hassle you, they don't, yeah. they don't do anything like that. So, anyway, this is uh, warbyparker.com. So, anyway, that's a terrific anecdote, it's a good anecdote. I'm not complaining. Five by five TV 10, you get 10 percent. Should I take photos of myself? You know, Sandy sent me some frames, Sandy found a bunch of frames and sent them to me as well. Take, yeah, take pictures of yourself, of course. You me, how about this? How about this? We'll do this a project. It's not weird you know, at all. Literally, mm, literally no extra money to, to, to worry or Parker, but we, uh, I will get some frames. I will go order frames from them. And uh, you know what? You should pick them for me. You should pick the frames for me. Oh, yeah. You should pick the frames. This should I don't be want, an experiment. I don't, want those weird, I don't want any of those weird German ones that don't have, uh, have the, uh, the frames. I, I don't like that. Oh, like where they're just clear and just or because they no they don't have that i don't even think they do that you know just to wear those like ben franklin and the guy who runs the tyrell corporation <laughs> that, yeah that's if you're right. german you need to put those down they're not helping <laughs> we'd like to thank uh warby parker for supporting yeah. five by five and back to work warby warby parker yeah sounds kind of like a law firm you sure it's not a law firm maybe it started as a law firm and they switched to the glasses Mm, I see your point. I see your point and raise you one. <laughs> Is it possible for you to cut out the entire show? Yes. Yeah. Already done. So what's on your mind with expectations? What's the bee in your bonnet? Because you, if you, if you, this is what you, you think, but don't, that's not always true. Oh, sometimes just I just watch mind. a TV show. Like what? Something on at night. Oh, like a men's show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a men's show. Show for men, by men, for men. Hi, men's show. No, it just it just occurs to me that you know I'm sitting there at at five thirty in the morning when my or five five o'clock this morning when my kid wakes up. Your son wakes up (laughs) every single day, and I'm and you know like he's like dad, I can't go back to sleep. All right, so you know you give him a drink, you tuck him back in, then you're up. Yeah. His expectation and his his concept of me is completely different. Now we were talking about this in the concept of work because no, none of our listeners are are parents or have kids or have any interest in talking about kids. You know that from the email, yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
But here I am at five. Now, his expectation is dad's going to be there when I wake up. He is going to help me and probably going to help me get back to sleep. My expectation is that nobody's going to talk to me until about seven o'clock when I've had coffee. So my expectation of my reality and my life is very, very, very different than what his expectation is. But his expectation pretty much always wins and probably always will win until he's a lot older. Mm -hmm. And then we can have a discussion about it. But right now, when he's four and he wakes up and he has the expectation that dad's going to help me because I need help, I don't even have the option. I mean, I suppose I do, but I don't really have the option of saying, (laughs) figure it out, buddy. Don't, you know, I'm right. not, that's not going to happen. So, you know, it, it, I can imagine there's a lot of people who in their jobs, we're, you and I are both lucky because we get to do the, a lot of the time we get to do things that we really like to do and we get to, to earn a living from doing that. But for many years, both of us, and I think there's still aspects of what we do, we might not always love, but there's a lot of our listeners who are probably doing things that they don't love. And they well, have like the how, same. How interesting would it be to watch me fill out forms? Oh, can I? Yeah, I'm thinking about starting a new show. This is just going to be explaining then apologizing. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll just, I'll, I could definitely find several things a week. It's like Ben Franklin says, you know, apologize every week. If if you don't know what it's for, they will. <laughs> it's actually it's actually about corporal punishment, but I took it and turned it. That's great. I think the only I think I think if you listen to all of the mail from people, I think our show would be merely it would be two minutes of explanations and apologies, and it would be an og vorbis. Og vorbis. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think that's They just call it og. They just call it og. Uh-huh, uh-huh, dot vorbis. Uh, cleric. Uh, the, uh, here's a funny thing. Uh, but a lot I, of people, let me finish my point, if you, if, sorry, if you don't mind, ahead. is that there are people who are listening to this who where, where the expectation that my son has of me at five in the morning when he wakes up, mm-hmm. and my... Uh, feelings of obligation to him at five in the morning that there are people whose entire day is like that not to their kid because they love their kid but to their job or their boss they're the they're the dad they're the dad not the kid oh oh yes 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 so all day long they've got they've got delightful four-year-olds uh who have not thought at all about what what uh the boss i guess right (laughs) Yeah, I bet it goes both ways, though. Oh, yeah, ACDC. It's just that the boss, or in this case, let's be honest, the dad, uh, has a little more context. You know, and and is used to being treated as somebody, you know, who is asked things rather than demanded things, right? Yeah. 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 Um, the, The funny thing I was thinking of is, you know... If you think about, I don't know if this is a continuum or a graph or whatever, but you, you've got people out there who are pretty detached from reality, like four-year-olds. Well, I guess even further, you've got little kids who don't realize that anything else in the world exists besides them. Everything in life is a rattle or a boob to them. You know, that's really all they care about. And uh, the, But as you get older, you get more of a sense of other people. And then there's the first time that, that you're, like in my case, my daughter goes, uh, I told you this, like we, we're, we're eating, of course, she... she half eats a couple bites of something in two minutes and then goes, I'm done eating. And then she says to my wife, but I'm still hungry. And we say, well, why don't you eat some more of that? She says, no, no, I want something else. What else can I have? And she's working us. It's so ridiculously ineffective. But she said, I tell her, I say, (laughs) Eleanor, you do this every night and it doesn't work. But for a long time, she really thought she had us. She really thought 
she, she was she was like a, like a terrible lawyer where she would go on ah well uh i'm done eating you go oh congratulations counselor he goes man but i'm still hungry okay well that doesn't really make sense what why don't you eat the rest of your food well what else could i have <laughs> well counselor uh what, what would you like to have well i think i should have something from that cabinet <laughs> counselor are you asking for chocolate Yes, yes, I'm asking for chocolate. I'm a fancy corporate lawyer who might be a chicken. And so, uh, but you think you could fool people. Now, here's the funny part of this. So, yeah, on the one hand, you've got people who are, for any variety of reasons, not super tuned in to other people's motivations and needs. You could, along the continuum, find somebody who's constantly trying to guess that and getting it wrong. But then the irony of this is like, who is really, really great? at understanding other people's motivations and then how to like deal with them. On the one, I, I would suggest that the salespeople and douchebags, <laughs> douchebags in the seduction community, they have made a science of trying to figure out what other people want and then how to either give it to them or not. I don't want to talk about these people because they're scoundrels. And, but, but let's talk about salespeople because there's a couple of those I've met that are, were, were okay. Um, but if you're a salesperson, we've made this crack before. Like if, you, if you're having trouble selling your shoes, you don't get mad at your customers. You, you should get mad about your shoes. You should figure out how to get some shoes that people want. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I mentioned this a while back. I read a, a really terrific, long article in, gosh, I want to say something like Consumer Reports. But it was this, this uh, reporter, this journalist had gone undercover to become a uh, a car salesman at a used car place, at a premium car place. Anyway, it's a fantastic article. I'll make a note here to find it for show notes. Um, but, you know, there's extensive, extensive training and experience. And if, you're, if you've been a salesman, it's like, it's like frat boys getting in fights. Like if you do it enough, you either get pretty good at it or you at least know what to expect. And salespeople develop, and if you spend five years being a salesperson, you learn a lot about what other people want. And you may even learn a lot about what they don't know they want. And you learn all these different angles. Think about, again, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, our like, third favorite movie, right? Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's a movie about, as they say in sales, uh, what's the phrase they use? Um, overcoming objections. Right? Oh, right, right, out, right. You have so. to figure out why people would object. You know, uh, Harriet, what's her name? Harriet Nyborg, you know, she, she wants to wait until her, her husband comes home or whatever. Right. You find all of these ways you've got you know, this, the equivalent of like this tab three ring binder in your head, this dog eared mental three ring binder of all the things that people could say that you know how to turn and say something that will make them laugh or disarm them or, you know what I mean? Or, or, or get to what they really want. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's not just a matter of saying, saying pithy things. It's, it's a matter of understanding the psychology of desire understanding like what motivates somebody else. So this is very long-winded, but all I'm trying to say is when you're finding yourself having trouble with expectations of other people, there's a real simple thing to think about, which is what does that person want? If you're a writer, if you're a writer of fiction, if you're a writer of things like plays, boy, it's so important to ask yourself, what does the person in this scene want? Another thing I'll link to is a I believe this actually was written by David Mamet, but it was David Mamet writing in all caps 
like very angry, long note to all the writers on the staff for a TV show that he was producing. And he went through all this stuff about the rookie mistakes, but (laughs) he said things like, nobody ever stands around in a room and talks about what's happening. Like nobody does that. Well, you know, as the old joke in improv is, well, here we are in Spain. Like nobody talks like that. He says, remember, and I'm paraphrasing from memory here, but remember that like everybody there wants something. They all want something to happen. And pretty much everything that comes out of the mouth of a character should help somebody understand what it is that they want. When, when, I, when I do bits or characters or fictional things, and I don't do a lot of them. I'm still working on a lot of stuff that's not ready to show. But I like to think about two things. Um, I, think, I think about what in motivation of a character. I like to think about what that person wants, what that person doesn't realize they want, And my favorite one is what they still haven't realized everybody thinks of them. And and again, one of my favorite characters of all time, David Brent from The Office, the UK version of The Office. Some people would say the real version. I would not say that. They're different shows. I mean, after they got away from just trying to, you know, it was was inadvisable, I think, to to repeat the first episode. Because, you know, the opening scene, you know, type up your CV. I'm not making a face here where I'm acting like I'm typing. Um... But David Brent is such a brilliant character because it's so easy to see what it is he wants, which is your love and more status. And then the scenes, when the wonderful scenes where Ricky Gervais does something really silly, does something really stupid, there's this almost like a, it's got to be less than a second where something stupid comes out of his mouth. There's total silence. And then you see him look at the camera. And then you see him realizing that he's looking at the camera right and starkest of all the part that makes it funny is you see him realizing that the camera sees him realizing the camera yeah (laughs) that's deep he he does not want you to know what an insecure and sad little man he is and he thinks that he's masked his motivations in a way that makes him seem powerful when he's really done done quite the opposite kind of thing you know, so again, back to Mamet, whether you're doing a long con on somebody or whether you're trying to do sales, you have to understand how they think. And, and, and I guess you could say, I mean, to the contrary, I suppose you could say you're, you're trying to guess how they think. But if you do this enough with people, let's talk about good managers. A good manager understands how to motivate every person. Martin Scorsese is going to work with Joe Pesci really differently than he works with Robert De Niro. Right. Really differently than he works with... Uh, Frank Carbone or whatever. Yeah, Frankie Carbone. Johnny two times, you know, said everything two times. Um, but no, apparently that's true. Apparently, apparently it is true that that, that um, this is really rambling. I'm sorry, but Scorsese will will is supposed to be pretty great at at understanding how to get the best out of everybody. Unlike Kubrick, without making them cry. And then you also hear stories about the Cone Brothers, where the Cone Cone Brothers, the two different brothers will like whisper to each other a lot during the production and will like give differing orders to different people and keep them off balance and stuff. But, and God knows Hitchcock did that, you know, God, he thought actors were cattle, but, but, but what is a director? A director is like the ultimate manager in some ways, right? They're like the CEO of the movie. They have to understand how to get the best out of everybody. And I'm going to guess that a lot of the time that's probably not yelling, especially if you're trying to get good work out of an actor. He's going to have to call upon some very complicated emotional resources to do some scene over and over and over again. And so to wrap up this arc, I, I, I think that's where we fall short a lot of times is becoming so involved in our own emotions about things and why we're hurt and why we're this and why we're that. And like, oh, you know, 
that we, and it's what, it's what kids suck at. Kids suck at understanding what my motivation is. Maybe I haven't portrayed it well. Part of my motivation that's hard to understand and it's so hard, it's so hard for me and so hard for a kid to understand is that you have no idea how much of the stuff I do with you I don't want to be doing. Right. And I'm not talking about playing Captain America. I'm talking about having to deny you things because you're tired and full of sugar. Mm-hmm. I, that is not that fun for me. And to quote Louis C.K., Louis C.K., C.K. in one of his bits said something hilarious about, you know, <laughs> sometimes the fact that you want it so much is the reason you're not allowed to have it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we should we should do another sponsor. But that 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 this to me is if, if, if we can talk about improvement opportunities here, as I say in the parlance. But you know, it, it, expectations. First of all, you have to realize they're there. You know, my my old um, well beaten problem with email is that one of the many things that makes email complicated. Uh, like I've said, you know, you you can't control what's in there. You can't control what their expect people's expectations are for what you're going to do about it and when, and you can't make it stop. And that expectation part is really complicated. Like, do you have time to go through and in a huge amount of detail unpack what every email should mean to you? Because that's really hard. You don't. You may not know. You know why did somebody CC me on this? Like, you could think about that all day long, right? Don't you think? Like, you could start thinking about: Are you CCing on? Okay, are you CCing or BCCing me on this? Like, are you BCCing me to like undermine? <laughs> <laughs> that you wrote it to. Right. B- BCC is such a dick move. Because it's, it's, you know, you should write whatever you're writing to like everybody who's going to receive that. You should be okay with them seeing it and like knowing who else saw it. You know, unless you're sending to five people and you don't want to expose email addresses, you do them all BCC. You know what I mean? But you get that and you go, oh my gosh, why did they CC this? Why, why did I get BCC on this? Is there going to be a secret meeting about like what I'm supposed to do to like get this person fired? It sounds loony, but that's sure gone through my mind. You know, I think that's, that's, that, that's a big office kind of thing is the CC and the BCC. But what is the intent of that? Well, the beauty of an email message or, a, you know, obviously of an iMessage or a text and SMS is that you're sending, you know exactly what you're saying to whom. Again, I'll do Sarah calls in interpolation. I understand who is talking to me here. And if you're not sure who's talking to you about what, you can infer a million different things that that might mean. But, you know, if you want to avoid these, these, these hurdles, you have to admit that those expectations exist whether you like them or not. Then it's a question, question though, the, the, the big jump is to acknowledge with another person, go, hey, it seems like you're pretty mad. It seems like you're not happy with how long I'm taking to turn these in every morning. And at that point... They can, they can, you know, go dark and go, oh, no, I'm happy about everything. Derp, de derp. Or, or they could go, you know what? I'm really glad you brought that up because I think you're doing a fantastic job and I'm glad how much care you put into it. But just so you know, like you'll realize this after two years here, like these things do not need to be perfect. They just need to be done. And then, you know, uh, you don't have to guess if you ask people. But then you got to do it and you got to be consistent about doing the thing to meet that expectation. Or as David Allen, the, the author of Getting Things Done, which is copyright David Code 2001, you can renegotiate. <laughs> You can renegotiate with people. You could say, uh, you know, I can't do this as often. I can't do this as well. I can't do this. Um, that's a lot to talk about, but I think we should talk about some practical components of that. Or components, as you say. There's no components, as I say. Right. Yeah. Have you heard about this, uh, you heard about this uh, Squarespace? Are you familiar with them? I am becoming more and more familiar. I'm using them every day for several of my websites now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, I'm... No, Dad. What... About what about you? you? He reminds of you. 
<laughs> F in ordinary people. I wish I could curse on here. I'd I know. Be so it would be fun. Um, Yes, I'm trying to be cagey and quiet, but I, I'm actually about to spend actual money <laughs> trying to get stuff onto Squarespace. I finally had it. I've reached the end of my rope. I've reached the end of my rope trying to get something on Squarespace through no fault of Squarespaces. But I want to be there so much. Um, enough said. It's really, really fun to use. Squarespace is really great. Their posting interface is fun. They've got all of these great templates. They've got a version 6 that looks like it might be good. Uh, but right now, it's, it's just still the greatest thing in the world if you've got a, a host, a site, a blog. Um, things we've talked about in the past, running something like an intranet, super easy to do, very easy to have very granular controls about who can do what. Everything is hosted there. If you want it to be, sure, you can still put things all over creation. But pretty much everything you need to, to, to run a, a cool website is right there. And so we love them very much. And you know, we've been doing a special project with them. Oh, I, you say we, I mean, it really is. Let's be honest. It's really, yeah. it's really, but, I mean, you. it's your show, right? Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, we did a special project with them um, because they've got something really cool going on right now, which is when you sign up for Squarespace, you can go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Back to work. Back to work. Squarespace.com slash back to work. And uh, you're going to get, uh, we'll tell you more about the discount, uh, the offer code in a minute and the offer but here's the cool thing they've got a new thing now where if you go in and you sign up for one or two years i guess you could probably sign up for 10 years i don't know if they have a radio button for that they call it a radio button um you could also do a switch or an array case you know, statement yeah oh uh, a case and that uh that uh, check checks against the uh, sequel sequel light base mm-hmm. eric and uh so you go in there and uh, you get one of these great sites here's the neat thing about this we, we're doing a special thing with them right now i think this is actually the fourth of our four pieces although Although there may be a secret bonus fifth piece, but uh, I've been writing songs uh, for Squarespace because uh, I love them. And uh, the, the, the domain name where you can go and learn about these things, I actually need to put up today's song, but you can go to foundmyplace.net. Now, how did I get foundmyplace.net? I went and I signed up for a year with Squarespace and I got a free domain name. Boom. Now, Dan, you're asking yourself, as you do. It, it must have taken three, four, or five hours to go from not having a website to having a website. Are you asking yourself that? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, the truth is, as you know, it took me five minutes to go from not having a website to having a website with my own domain name on it. If the domain name is available, it gets registered in your name with Squarespace when you sign up for at least a year. So how, how fun is that? It seems, I don't know, it seems a little too good to be true. It does. It does. It's probably going to be like one of those Western towns, you know? But they don't use them for movies much anymore. East End Boys, West End Girls, like that? Yeah. <laughs> Hot a soft option. <laughs> Kicking down chairs and knocking down tables. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, speaking of uh, Fruity English songs, uh, you, wanna, you, wanna, uh, you know, I did a song for this week for the, for the program. You did one? I did a song. I did a song for this week. I love these songs. Yeah. So, so the song for this week uh, is, again, reminiscent... <laughs> Of a group that I liked a lot in college, and uh, the name of the song is uh, is "Lost in Space." Do you th- do you think that our listeners might like to hear it? I think they should hear it. Okay, boom. The only thing much worse than being talked about is finding no one who will suffer you at all. Inside my tomb I'd break a vase upon my face To tour your handsome room I spent 13 billion years Feeling lost in space I searched 7 billion souls Before I saw your face Then it took one single night To know I'd found my place 
And now I'm never going back again Don't leave me lost in space Don't leave me lost in space Don't leave me lost in space La-da-da, you long embrace Such a heavenly re-entry For a soul that's so debased Take a man who sinned again And find the sins erased Take a man who sinned again And find the sins erased Take this man Take this man What I, what I love about it <laughs> Is not the, the Yeah, well, the reverb I do love that But you... You have a, a hook in each of these things that you, each of these songs, you've got a hook, you know, and that's the secret to making a good song is getting a hook. And like every time there's a hook in it and the hook, it's not just that there's a hook, but that it's in the, the hook is the right for the style of the song that you are aping. Thank you. Which in this case, <clears throat> um, all completely done. <laughs> With iPad instruments, amazing was uh, is a uh, an homage uh, to an excellent band from Manchester called the Smiths. La la la. Now, how do you and say why is it the Smiths and not just Marcy Independent? Are you even kidding me? I'm just asking what what is the in your creation process? What is how do you differentiate that? Ooh. Not late Smiths and early well, Marcy. I, I gotta I gotta try and make that guitar sound like one tenth as cool as Johnny Marr. <laughs> Good luck. I, 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 I don't have a Rick. I don't got a Rick. I got yeah. no Rick and I got no fingers. I can play the beginning of This Charming Man. I'd be happy to do that for you after dark. All right. I would go out. And, you know what? You've, you've got enough already. Uh, so uh, we love them. That, uh, found my place, uh, foundmyplace.net, which I, which I call just about everything but foundmyplace.net. Um, and we're, uh, because, you know, we like doing fun stuff. You know, we like doing the show. We like talking about stuff. And we like making stuff too. And it's, it's awesome to us when we have... Uh, sponsors that are cool enough to to help us uh, mix stuff and share it with you. So I hope you like it. It's really hard to sing like Morrissey. I mean, I can fake it, but I need a producer, Dan. I need I need a mixer. I need an engineer. I need I need a somebody. I need some help. Four track. Yeah. Track it down. <laughs> and so here's the deal. You can go in and uh, when you sign up for uh, for Squarespace at squarespace.com. Uh, <laughs> squarespace.com. Slightly getting to lay down. Squarespace.com slash back to work. You will you will uh you will see the Squarespace site where, where you can go in and get things. Now here's the deal. Uh if you uh if you if you sign up, let me get this right. If you sign up for month to month, it's either ten or twenty dollars a month. You know, you can you can get the uh get the standard standard package or the Rain Man suite. But here's the deal. You pay for a year ahead of time, you get you get twenty percent off. You pay for two years, you get twenty five percent off. And if you use the special offer code for the month of five you will get an extra 10% off of whatever it is that you pick up by a Squarespace. And uh, the code this month, Dan, go ahead, caller. Isn't it, is it uh, laid down? I need to lay it. What is it? Oh, is it late? Did we, did we go to late now? Isn't we, it? Uh, did we go to late now? I thought we were doing a go ahead caller for this one. You know what? I think you're right. Cut all that out. Don't cut all that out. Here's the thing. Go yeah, ahead, offer, offer June, our June offer code is, is laid down. I thought that this, I thought we were still in May. We are in May, but it's only for another day or two. Ah, you know what? I bet it works. I bet it works. Try them both. Try no, them both. It could be no, go ahead, caller, or lay we down. Did. Try them Lil both. Ryan, Lil, Ryan, Lil Ryan's mom wrote to me and asked what we wanted the code to be, and I said lay down. Mm-hmm. And you know how mad it makes people when we say lay down instead of lie down? Oh, especially our friends in the uh, European Union. Is that right? Because of the euro. Yeah, the euro taints everything. The euro. Hmm. Taint. <laughs> you, get a, you get a euro in your pocket, and you start doing all grammar Specials. Sure. Is that a Greek problem? 
I think a lot of problems with the Greeks. I uh, think all, I, we, we know what it should be. We know yeah. it should be lie down and not lay down, but it's not funny if it's, it's lie down. It's not funny. And if it's not confusing enough, you go to squarespace.com slash back to work. And when you sign up for this, you can use the offer code lay down one word. Well, I know it should be two words. So we're, I know we're, we're going to get even more notes on Twitter. There's one person on Twitter who I think is literally taking time off from work to remind us every day that it should be lie down. And I just want to say thank you because that reminds me that I want to say lay down again. Because, you know, I like to get and turn it. But uh, no, this is a great thing. And, uh, and, and more and more people, my pals are moving stuff there uh, because uh, it, it's a great place to be at Squarespace. I hope you dig the song. We'll have, uh, you can get that. I'll put up an MP3 of that that you can get in show notes. You can also go to the uh, foundmyplace.net site where you can still get the GarageBand file for that uh, song I ripped off from New Order if you want to remix it. A few people did that. It was really fun. Um, this one, uh, you can't hear the vocals for this. There's no way I'm going to let you isolate the vocals. Not going to happen. Lay down is the offer code for the month of five. Squarespace.com slash back to work. And we are very grateful to little Ryan and Squarespace for supporting and, and really to Morrissey and Johnny Moore and into the whole band. One of the guys had a little problem with heroin. Uh, very, very grateful to them for supporting five by five and back to work. Why don't you just start over? You think we should start the whole thing over? Yeah, let's, I don't want to do this. How do you Still feel? What waiting. would you give yourself? One to ten. What do you give yourself on this? Three. Three. Hmm. I'm not sure I've run to three. Uh, you know, my uh, my daughter likes the superheroes and her friend. Is her it the friend, show now still? or? Here's the thing about expectations. You don't think people like talking about superheroes? It's just when it gets stuff wrong that makes them mad. I don't I know. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot like. to learn, Dan. There's a lot to learn. And then you got the X-Men classic where they've kind of taken them, but they've added stuff to them. It's, it's very confusing. It's very confusing. And I, you would not believe what I am going through. Literally, you will not believe what I'm going through to find a copy of Masterworks Uncanny X-Men number two. It's really hard to find because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there with this X-Men omnibus, which weighs about 140 pounds. I'm laying in bed with like reading the Torah. It's like, <laughs> it's like stickless X-Men, but it's giant and it's great because it looks fantastic. Right. But you're right. I'm coming around to your point of view on holding it in your hand. Mm. Ooh. Like, but uh, Un- Uncanny X-Men Masterworks Volume 1 is just is terrific. And now I, I want to keep with that. So I got, I, got, I got that. I got the Dark Phoenix, you know, uh, trade paperback. And I'm going to get all four of the... Uh, I'm really enjoying it. But that's Sunfire. Why, did, why, did, what is, why doesn't somebody just kick his ass? Is he, am I wrong? No. Am I wrong? No. Huh. What about Dazzler? Who thought that was a good idea? She, wasn't she more for the cartoon or would, I don't know. See, I Dazzler, read, she's got, I, she's, she's got lights. She's, I was so put off. Little bombs or something. Mm, is that what they are? I, I read that she was the result. If this is true, it's awesome. I don't know if this is true. I'm sure we'll find out in a minute. But uh, supposedly she was the result of some synergy between Marvel and Casablanca Records. The people who brought us uh, things like the village people. Uh, and basically the notion was that there was going to be this incredibly lame <laughs> X-Men, char- X-Men character who would then have a crossover thing to being like the next Donna Summer, God rest her soul, you know, or Andrea True Connection or, or whoever you like. And I don't think that worked well. So she turns, well, she turns sound into light. Something like that. It's yeah. Dazzling. 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 Man. That's, like, that's, Kevin, that? that's like Kevin Aware's the beef character. Yeah. You just sent, it sounded like you just sent an email to somebody. No, I found a little treasure trove of sounds that I can, that was the email sound, but I have a little. Was that one to be Dazzler sound? Oh, well, that's what I was looking for. I was going to, but see, the uh, <laughs> listeners won't hear that. They won't hear that. So. Oh, they won't? Okay. No. Phoenix Force. Uh, practical components? Yes. 
Yeah. What, what angle you want to take it from? What locus? What locus do you want to take it from? Yeah, the locus. Oh. I was just I sent a, just I sent a message here. I might have had a buffer overrun. A buffer overrun. Marvel Masterworks Uncanny X-Men Volume 2, new edition trade paperback, just sent to me by a friend. I'll put that in the show notes. I, C, CBR? CBZ? This is a talesofwonder.com. Hmm. I... Well, I, I I bought it off Amazon. It just won't deliver for three weeks. <laughs> I'm champing at the bit. But I think when I'm done here, I should check my email. I think my copy, and if, I swear to God, if you go to my library and take this off the shelf, I'll be so angry. I'm pretty sure uh, volume four is waiting for me now, which is not a lot of use to me because I've skipped around so much. I'm, I'm deeply confused about Jean Grey in so many ways right now, Dan. But uh, I think I think uh, ish, uh, ish number two, vol two, uh, is probably waiting for me at the library. Oh, wow. This up. No, we got to talk about practical components. It's good. It's a good comic. My daughter, my daughter's very into the Revengers right now. Re- Revengers. Practical components. Do you want to talk about work or home, or uh, where do you want to? Where do you want to focus? You know, we talk a lot about work. What do you, you want to do? Home. I mean, but look, we're running out of time, aren't we? Are we running out of time already? Sixty-eight minutes. Oh, crud! I'm sorry. No, we need to keep going. Let's do the home one. We always do the work. Let's well, do the home. You know, another way we Back can to do home. this. Another way we can do this is is talk about the levels of um, how 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 far into the stack you want to go in terms of easy versus hard. Because that's another way to think about all of these problems. I think. And, and for me, with the productivity stuff, as I've said a million times, I think there are things that you can fix at the top level with tips and, tips and tricks. But the further you go down in the stack, the more interesting and enduring and meaningful solutions you'll find. Uh, the, uh, the thing is, uh, there are levels in the stack. You know, the first thing that you can do with anything that you're not happy about is learn to not mind it. Boy, that's really hard, but that's the simplest solution to almost anything is, is, is learning not to mind it. Uh, if you, if you can't learn not to mind it, uh, then I guess you have to think about some other options. If you, when I say not mind it in terms of expectations, well, if you feel like people are expecting a lot of you, Let's put it differently. If you know people are expecting a lot of you or expecting more of you than you have any interest in doing anything about it, you don't have a problem yet. You could just ignore it. But for most of us, that's not enough. Do you know what I mean? I if do. people have an expectation of you, they're, they're going to make some really important judgments about you as a person based on how well you deal with those expectations. Right. How do you deliver on the expectations that they have, regardless of whether you know what those expectations are or not? Well, and this is, to me, this is where it all blows up. This is the suck-ass problem, is that you don't know what the expectations are a lot of the time. And a lot of the time when you do know the expectations, they're not accurate, they're not true, they're not complete, right? Um, so I guess, you know, there's that first level, but getting down a little bit further, um, maybe a simple one would be to, like, learn whether there is an expectation, you know, and kind of, like, what it is. So this requires a, a, an extraordinary amount of... Um, Empathy, I guess, uh, compassion of interest in what other people think and feel. But rather than guessing what it is that other people want, I guess you could put that in the stack. I wouldn't recommend it. But, you know, you could really go to somebody like your partner or, or, uh, or your dad or whomever and, and, and talk about what those expectations are. In my experience, a lot of people will not even acknowledge what you're talking about. Personally. If, even if you're the one who has like, so you, on the one hand, you got somebody who's like a big jerk and they're constantly demanding that you do stuff and those expectations couldn't be clearer because they have no ability to self-censor and they're just, they don't care, right? But I think most people, especially from the Midwest, 
find it very difficult to talk about these things and will not even acknowledge that it exists. It's like, it's like walking out. Like if you walked up to somebody and go, do I have bad breath? They'll go, of course you don't have bad breath. Because if they're, are they going to be, they wouldn't be asking you if you had bad breath unless they thought they had bad breath, right? And everybody else had said, no, you don't have bad breath. Like you don't need a seventh person to tell you you have bad breath. So what's going to happen? You're going to be the first person to tell this person the truth. Let's say it's your boss. And let's say your boss is realizing that the team is not being as productive as he or she would like. If they go to you in the middle of a recession and say, um, do I give you guys too much work or something? Right. Or, or, or maybe put more, more, uh, more likely put something along the lines of uh, why isn't stuff getting done? Now, my inclination as the kind of person who, who has trouble keeping a job would be to say, well, the reason that lots of stuff isn't getting done is because you're kind of asking us to do stuff. And I say kind of asking because we're not sure sometimes who the work's assigned to, but you're kind of assigning us a lot of stuff that we know is not that valuable and that there's no budget for and that there's not a deadline. And if anything gets done, you'll take credit for the good stuff and blame us for the bad stuff. And you tell us that we're here to define our jobs, but that's what happens three times every month, right? And so suddenly, then whoop, we come flying back from like the little, <laughs> the little, you know, uh, flyaway scene where you're where you're fantasizing about what happened, uh, and you say, "Oh well, you know, I think everybody's got different priorities, and of course we're all very busy." And I, gosh, I'm just you're doing the best you can, you know. But but I don't know how you get past that. If you, if you can't learn to just live with it and, and not mind the expectations, in which case you, you might become a sociopath, I think you've got to talk to people about it. And, and, and again, Dan, this is back to an old one, but you, you should jump in and tell me if this makes any sense. But I think, I think one of the problems is, you know, remember when, do you remember when we talked about asking permission for things or, you know, remember my joke about like, should I call, is it okay if I call Jean from yeah. Smile? And yeah. I was like, well, that's the weirdest question in the world. I mean, you should, I should call Jean every day. She's the best. You know, there are some things where, again, part of the, and to quote John Roderick or paraphrase John Roderick, it's this culture of nice, where if we say, if we ask somebody about anything, it's going to be assumed that it's a passive aggressive stab. And then that person's brain starts reeling, trying to figure out what they did wrong or what this person is doing to undermine them or what, they're, what trap they're trying to lay down. Do, do you know what I mean? Totally. So if you actually went to somebody and said, um, wow, the workload has been really heavy lately and I'm starting to get worried that our signal to noise ratio is, is getting off. At least I worry that mine is. And, and you know, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. For me, this is a really hard time right now because I've got way more work than I can do well and I'm not sure what I can or should shed and I'm not sure what we can or should get more budget for. But all I know, speaking for myself, is that it's going to be hard to keep doing this really great uh, in this situation. Can we talk about that? That's one. That's a hard one. You know, another hard one is, uh, go back to the email. You know, it, I, I feel like I've been frustrating you a lot because I'm not responding to your emails quickly enough. That's what I feel. I mean, is that, is that accurate? Well, no, that's fine. Or, or yeah, you know, you should be answering my emails all the time because you should care about everything as much as I do. Right. But, but I gave you a piece of advice not too long ago um, that, that I really believe in, which is whenever you're going to talk about anything in life, it helps to give a reason for it. Never give 50 reasons for something. You give one reason for something. You know, if you really can't come to somebody's party because you have to go to your grandmother's funeral, you could say, um, I won't be able to make it because my grandma died and I got to go to her funeral, right? It's, it is very difficult to say, 
I'm not going to come because your parties are kind of boring and, and you suck. Because the thing is, if you keep doing that and they keep inviting you, that's going to be difficult. At some point, I don't know how you have any choice except to address the expectation. And sometimes you have to be a little cagey about that. But you might just go and say, look, I got to be, I got to tell you, like, I got this kid and I don't get that much time to go out and do stuff. I deal with this a lot. And I think I end up sounding like a jerk a lot. But if I did everything with everybody that wanted to do stuff with me, it's not a question of whether I'd like to do that. I'd like to do lots of stuff. I'd like to be tall, but that's just not tenable. But I have to adjust that expectation with people about what I'm able to do. I said this to you a long time ago, but one way I'm able to do lots of cool stuff is to not do everything. And in, in your office or your, your work environment, I think that's one way to address it. Let's give the one reason. Let's be honest. Like let's, let's as we say, try to say uh, true things. And you might go to that person and say, you know, I'd like to talk to you about the scope of this project because I've been banging my head on this, trying to figure out how we can get this done. But I, I don't, I don't know what else to say except that the scope of this project is far, t- is way too far-reaching, given given the budget, um, and the time frame that we've got. Can we talk about that? In my way, I feel no. This is great stuff, but it, but but it is hard. And well, I'm, it's I'm, hard because uh, it's hard for people to. And you're not suggesting, I don't think, that people automatically assign blame to themselves. But what you're doing is the way that you're presenting this is a way that a lot of people aren't really comfortable doing, which is not as an apology, not as accepting blame, but taking responsibility for something ahead of time and saying, this may be ca- what I'm about to tell you may cause a problem for you, but I'll, I will shoulder the brunt of that. I will wear that and uh, let's, let's figure out the solution. Because a lot of the time, the, people aren't willing to do that up front. It's well, so what and, they call top-loading. Top-loading? Yeah. Is that a real term? Yeah, I read that. I wrote that down, and I read Is it. Is that like the compliment sandwich? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's exactly I do like the, that. I do the compliment sandwich. I'm trying to stop doing it. It's How does really that work? It. Do it. Uh, Dan, yes. oh my God, this has been so great. The show has been so fun to do for the last few weeks, and it's just amazing that we've had this chance. Um, I really hate that one thing that you do sometimes. Please stop doing it. Right. Anyway, like I say, it's been great to do this, the compliment sandwich. You open with a compliment, you close with a compliment, and in between you say the thing that you actually meant to say. Oh. My boss, Richard, called me out on this a long time ago. He's like, you send these really long emails. I always know to just read the, the second and third and the last <laughs> paragraphs because that's where you actually say what you were going to say. That's funny. So I try to cut out everything but that. But... um. But, but this does get somewhat back to the prisoner's dilemma thing, which I think every, so many of us are so passive aggressive about so many things that we assume this is part, this is the problem with paranoia. It's like if you're paranoid, if you're paranoid long enough, you'll eventually have a reason to be paranoid because people will start talking about what a nut job you are. And in this case, if you start assuming that everybody else is passive aggressive and maybe trying to undermine you or maybe not telling you what they really think about things, you know, that is no, I, I don't, I can't respond to those people. We talked about this. I can't have that in my life. Yeah. I can't have an elephant in the room and then have me feeling all monkey balls because the other person's going, and it looks fine to me, you know? Um, but, but I mean, again, but you don't have 100% power to always do that. And you may be walking into a situation with somebody who feels maybe sensitive about something, maybe feels, um, I don't think there are that many people that think of themselves as passive aggressive. And you know what? We should define what that means on a show someday. Because yeah. it's something we talk about Let's a lot. Let's tangle that one. Right. But, you know, 
to, well, to me, part of part of the heart of, of passive aggression, the maddening part about somebody who's being passive aggressive, is when is somebody who clearly has some kind of a beef with you, or has like an has an insult to offer, or has some kind of a thing where they essentially just want to make you feel bad about something, but they they have the uh, they don't have the stones to just insult you, mm. or they don't have the stones to just criticize you. And so they try to make it into something where you're left to your own devices to fill in the details about what was really meant. And then you're kind of a dick if you call them out for doing it, right? You find some kind of little, you know, starving African child of human interaction that they're not allowed to talk about. Mm. And, and then you're the one who has to go and feel really bad and over-process all of that. So, so in that case, personally, for me, when I, have a, when I say personally, like in a personal interaction with that, if somebody does that with me, I will just mirror it and I'll say, um, it sounds like you're mad that I am not going, didn't go to your party. Um, and I, and I, I don't understand a lot of this third through fifth paragraph that's just kind of about our relationship. Well, I, I couldn't come to your party because like I told you, I had this other thing to do. I really like you. I like lots of people. <laughs> I can't do everything. But passive aggression is it's tough with that. And so in an office where everybody's head is down and you're trying hard not to seem uncollegial, you're trying hard to say yes to everything. That, that background dishonesty does not support honest and timely interactions with people. And the timely part matters because if these things fester long enough and those expectations go unmet long enough, even if nobody else knew they existed, then, uh, then boy, that's a, really, that's a really malignant environment to try and work in, don't you think? Very malignant. I mean, I know I'm bad about this, especially in relationships in the past. Um, classically typified by you knew what you were getting into guy. I used to be that guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you know, when you started going out with me, you knew what you were in for. I'm a wild card. You know, did you ever do that? Uh, ex- yes, exactly like that. In that voice. No, but a lot of guys do that. And in that passive aggressive way, it's like, you knew that I was, I was like a character from a crazy French film and that I could not be relied upon to do things that normal people do. I think that's, that's an easy cop-out for a lot of people. Right. But, but um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just think, I just think in, in relationships, you don't even have to ask about expectations sometimes. We always talk about the trash because the trash is a great example. Um, but maybe, maybe one way in a personal relationship, this goes back to something we've talked about in, in, a, in, a, in a class that my wife and I took before we uh, had the baby. Well, technically she had the baby. She did a lot of the heavy lifting on that. I've said this before, but the woman who ran this class, who was like one of the very few sane people we met in the entire process of, of childbirth, excluding our daughter, um, she said, you know, you're going to have to do a lot more around the house. You're going to have to do more stuff, right? Your, your wife has a lot going on right now, and she shouldn't have to ask you to help out because you shouldn't really be helping out. You should be doing a lot more stuff. And here's the important part. You should do all of that stuff without her needing to ask you. And, and like we joked about like loading the dishwasher wrong so you don't get asked anymore. We should go bust your ass to make sure that she never even notices the dishwasher didn't get loaded. That just happens. She's going to go have a, a freaking kid. Like man up and go do this stuff without being asked and without needing to get a Scooby snack because you did it like this month. And, but the thing that encapsulated this for me and I think gives us an inroad to, to fixing these things, is she said, just bring your wife water. Just make a glass of water and bring it to her. And, and I totally agree with this because I'm pretty sure nobody has ever 
not wanted water. Nobody's ever, <laughs> nobody's ever been mad that you brought them water. Right. What in the hell is this glass of liquid? Because everybody, you know what? Worst case scenario, you say, actually, um, no thanks. I don't, I don't want a water, but thank you. But what a lovely thing to do. Somebody walks into your house, you give them a glass of water. Bring your wife a glass of water because everybody likes a glass of water. You know what you don't need to do? Um, hey, hey, honey, real quick. Um, did, did you want a glass of water? No, just go get the damn water. You know, because you know what that stuff does? What that stuff does is, yes, it builds, your, it builds your credibility, but in a way that saying it over and over could never do, it shows that you care about that person and, and what they want, right? Like if, you're, if every birthday rolls around and you're giving your lady something from Fredericks of Hollywood and she's not really just jumping up and down with excitement about another garter belt, I've met like, I've met like, Three people ever who, who look good in a garter belt and two of them were men. It's not a flattering look. It's just not. I mean, you look, you look like something, you look like the Hobbit. You know? Sexy, sexy Hobbit. Wow. Nobody likes that, but, but, but guys keep buying that because they want to see a lady in, uh, in frilly underwear. Right. Not giving a thought to what, she, what, what the, that woman would like. And this is not just a gender thing. It's true on both sides. But giving somebody the gift that they didn't even know that they wanted before they knew they wanted it, that's French service, man. That's how you take care of somebody. And why does that matter here? Because it might get easier to talk about those expectations after you've already started getting better about another expectation. If your pattern on this is getting worse and worse, if you're creating more garbage than you're taking out, that person may... That, that, you may never hear about that until there's a blow up. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And historically, I've been terrible about that. And it's something I really try to get better at. But just sitting around and like trying to blob yourself by saying, do I take out the trash enough? Is like not helpful. Don't ask that question. Take out the trash. And in the workplace, final thing here, in the workplace, if you um, go back to, to our first principles of like assuming that everybody's not an idiot, you know, if you're dealing with somebody who's being passive aggressive or you're dealing with somebody who you think has an expectation that they're not revealing, I mean, being honest with that person about something that should matter to both of you and improves the welfare of the company, like, wow, if that's out of bounds, like, I would run out of the building. You should be able to go talk to that person. If there really is a problem that's become a, a, like, it's become a bump in the road, then, like, what else can you do but talk about it? And, And, like, find out what you can do to improve the situation. I don't know. Is that too ambitious? It is fairly ambitious, but why shouldn't we have ambition for things like that? Well, I, I, when we get into these things where it's like, that's fine for Merlin stuff, I'd like to explore more about why that's so ambitious. Because sometimes when I hear people saying something like that, or, or maybe this is just my expectation or my thing about what I'm imagining people say, there's a lot of eye rolling. I'm like, oh, we're stuck to be that way around here. Well, my God, you're living in hell. Like, well, why would you sit around and have that be okay and then apologize for it by saying that it's difficult? Like, what are you, seven? Like, is that how you want to live? Do you want to, do you want to work in a place? Like, do they really hold that much power over you that now you self-edit to the point where you end up defending their crappy decisions? You're like Patty Hearst in a closet. Like, that's no way to live. Like, if you really care about the stuff that you're doing, then why wouldn't you take the risk of making it better? Because it's not worth making better. Well, great. Enjoy 25 years of that. That will be fine for you. What a miserable way to live. This program, if it's useful to anybody, is going to be useful about hopefully making you realize that you care about something yeah. and then realizing that there's stuff you got to do about it. And if that's too challenging for you, 
I, I don't I don't know what to say about that. Jobs are hard. Workplaces are complicated. And you know why they're complicated? Because people don't have the stones to have honest conversations with each other about reality. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be passive aggressive. You don't have to be anywhere near as nasty as I'm being. But like why would you why would you just why would you just sit in that in that pot of angry all day and, and then, you know, apologize that it wasn't hotter? I, I just don't think that's any way to live. Here's the thing, Dan. Do you know about this MailChimp? You ever heard about this? I have heard of them. There's this, uh, there's this group called MailChimp. Uh, I don't know if they have any actual simians working there. Well, they have the one. Oh, they have the, 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 uh, with the, um, Freddy. Fr- oh, Freddy Chimp and Chimp Chimp? <laughs> yes. What is that? I, I had, a, I had a support ticket this weekend and it was, it was, uh, the chimp responded to it. Was a Freddy, Freddy Chimpenberger. What is it? That's right. No, you've got it. <clears throat> these MailChimp, uh, these, these folks are great. Um, and what they have is, uh, what do you call it? E- email, email marketing, email list management, email, email. Easy email drop? newsletters. Could you drop some F's and B's? Oh, that's facts and... Features and benefits. Features but, and benefits. Okay, sure. Go the around. Well, the, basically, this is what you need to know. They make it possible, easy, and I dare say even fun to send email newsletters. Why would you want to send email newsletters? There's a lot of reasons. It's a great way to keep in touch with your customers if you provide service, if you provide software. If you make something and you want to tell people about it, or if you just want to entertain people, which is what Merlin's going to tell you about. <laughs> well, you know, I think one thing that I, as much as I, I've liked MailChimp, the company, and like dealing with Mark as our, as our sponsor in the past, I think what I didn't completely get was how, uh, for lack of a better word, granular you could be with your mailing list, uh, which I hope that doesn't sound creepy, but it's actually super cool. Like if you just want to send, I think you can just send stuff to people in like Australia if you want. You can just send it. No, I'm serious. You're yeah, segmentation. You can. you can go in and say, um, okay, let's say, let's say for example, something went horribly awry with the newsletter that we sent out in the last thing and a bunch of people who subscribed didn't get like some, some, I mean, one of my typical bonehead things. I believe you can send to it, they call it a segment. You can send a note that goes only to people who subscribed after the last issue. Right. There's a lot of granularity to that. And this is all trackable you can see how well things are going for you but yeah like dan said so so uh, our friends at mailchimp are sponsoring the official the official back to work newsletter which is called bulk bag you do it bulk bag bulk bag, bulk it's, bag. A, uh, it's a very close to weekly newsletter it's not like <laughs> tuesday to tuesday but it's a uh, bulk bag we just uh, released bulk bag number four it's actually four. called giant, giant size bulk bag number one <laughs> all right which is different not to be confused with Bulk bag annual number one. Yeah, it's so confusing. Or, or to be confused with bulk bag number 4.1. That is also isn't different. Isn't Giant Size X-Men also like Uncanny X-Men, like, not 94. They're but all it's, different. It's all, do, you, do you know how hard this is for somebody who went to public schools, Dan? <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really, really hard. So this last issue went out, uh, I guess, I guess yesterday, and uh, people seemed to really like it. It was a little less silly. Uh, I, I, what do we have in this one? We had uh, a bunch of uh, uh, annotated list of blogs that I like a lot. You know, on the show here, Dan, I've been threatening since S1E1 up through the last episode. I've been threatening to talk about blogs I like, and I finally did with annotation. Uh, uh, very self-involved. I put up my five favorite videos of stuff I've done, or put, put slightly differently. It's also the five videos people have told me they like the most. And I uh, got a great response from that. Thank you very much for uh, saying nice stuff. But you got the uh, the scared boop. Let's talk. You got the um, you got a bunch of them, a bunch of those videos. I mean, you know, I'm proud of that flocked up one. The, that when I pitched the uh, social media network for douchebags. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's all in there. Also, uh, a really, really disturbing pictorial on uh, my awkward hair odyssey. You can learn about the problems I've had with my hair over the years. I wouldn't call those problems. They're pretty, pretty nice. Opportunity stakes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got, uh, what else? Oh, we got the reserve reading for, it was going to be this episode. We were going to talk about sleep, but I have, that's a lot of reading, uh, a bunch of uh, annotated, uh, literature to read about sleep. Anyway, it was, a, it was a good action packed 3,600 600 words. Isn't that Six, crazy? Yeah. 3,600. Nine times. Nine times. But uh, well, I'm not sure what will be in the next one. Probably some more silliness for the next one. But if you like, you can go and you sub- can subscribe to The Bulk Bag and uh, you will receive it in, uh, in your email inbox. Uh, two questions people have had. One is, how do I get old issues? Right. One way to get old issues is there's an archive link that you can click on that'll take you there. What I don't know how to do that I need to find out how to do do you know, is there a way that you can like send an email to the major domo and tell it you want previous issues? Oh, so we're, you're saying something that would, somebody like a listener could. Four. Yeah, mm. somebody signs on right after number four and wants to get all four of them. Do you know there's a way to do that? Because people have been asking. That is a good question. I, I'll that. Yeah, do, tungle it. Yeah. And we'll figure it out. I also got to figure why I screwed up the RSS feed. The RSS feed's all goofy and I think I did something wrong. But, you know, that's just because I'm usually doing it at three in the morning. Right. I listen to the Smiths, but um, but it looks it's pretty handsome. You know, our friend Brandon did that did that lovely uh, header for it. Anyway, um, email newsletters can be fun. There's been a resurgence, at least in my world, of people using email uh, newsletters for something uh, more than you know what you usually use it for. Um, and uh, it's a neat thing. They can do stuff like they can turn your RSS feed in, into uh, into emails for subscribers. It's really cool. Very easy to subscribe. Very easy to unsubscribe. And we would love it if you would go over and get your free account at MailChimp.com. And uh, that free account will, will, will get you a lot of stuff. What do you get with the free account, Dan? You get... This is the funny part because it doesn't sound real. But you get to send 12,000 emails to up to 2,000 subscribers. And you get to do that for free all the time forever that doesn't sound sustainable no it doesn't sound like something that but it is and it has been that way for a long time so there you go that's crazy that's like giving away like uh like artisanal poultry or something i mean I it seems like a lot of work pulled pork birthday park pulled pork <laughs> but uh anyway yeah the bulk bag and if you got a show notes for this episode which are at five by five dot tv slash b2w slash 69 Nine times, Mrs. Um, and so you go there and you see the, the links for all this. Actually, I got, a, I got a lot of links to put in this week. David Mimmit. I put some in. Good, good, good. Um, and, uh, but, but MailChimp's the best. And, and people, thank you very much to everybody who has been saying, seriously, thank you for saying nice things about the newsletter. Like I said last week, this is the first time in my 45 years that I've ever seen people like champing at the bit because their newsletter hasn't arrived yet. 45 years, Dan. I know. How's that sound? It sounds pretty. F- wow, that's really. Yeah. Can we share? Can we share one? We'd like to thank uh, Mailchimp for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. Mailchimp.com. Can we share one 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 small personal tidbit? It's not that personal, but it is somewhat personal. Yeah, why don't we save it for the after dark? That's where the personal stuff happens. We did a FaceTime. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't, really to, you don't want to save it. That's your way of saying no. I don't like ending the show with a sponsor. That's not fair to anybody. Well, we've, it's not. Now we've talked about something else. We're not, we're, we're, ah, we're not all right. Yeah, we're whatever. Not I mean, it's your show. You do what it you want to do. Actually, you know what? It is your show. Yeah. I checked on Wikipedia. <laughs> we did a FaceTime. Mainly my, my, my daughter and your, and your older, your son did, did a FaceTime. And, and at one point, you encouraged your son to remark about how old I look. 
Is that right? No, it he, like he might have coached him a little. No, he was he, all on his it own. was all on his own. Ask why, why, why it looks so old. It was a delightful call. We talked about comics. We talked about food. And may I, may I ask you to share with our audience uh, what, what your son said after uh, we hung up? Oh, he asked it. He, you know, knowing, knowing, uh, you know, thinking, reflecting later on his own about your age, he said, Dad, does Mr. Merlin walk with a cane? <laughs> and I said, yes, he does. I said, he also has false teeth. <laughs> Said, well, I would say they're inaccurate teeth. I don't know the <laughs> right, it's a little harsh. <laughs> so funny. And now, of course, my daughter thought that was funny. I showed her your text, and now she keeps saying, why does, why does Joel think you walk with a cane? And I said, Did, please, speak, please speak into this little phone. All right, please here. speak into the conical device. <laughs> why are hard candy so hard? <laughs> you want to button this up? Yeah, let's button it up. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.